The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and we're coming to you live right now from my house uh, in Los Angeles. And thrilled to be here with you this morning. Got a big, big show for you with a wonderful guest that we're welcoming back to Autism Live. It's been a little while since we've had Alex Plank on the show. I don't know what's wrong with us, but it was high time that we remedy that. And Alex is going to be joining us in just a little while. And he's a good friend and a good friend to the show and someone that I'm sure that you will love hearing from. And Alex and I, I always say that Alex and I have this very interesting relationship where I totally respect Alex and he sometimes uh, will take me to task for different things and tell me when my, he'll tell me, you know, when I'm, when I've said something that he uh, believes is ableist and I learn from Alex all the time. Um, I, on the other hand, I think that Alex, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't think Alex listens to me at all. We have that relationship that's like uh, a much older sister and a younger brother where, you know, uh, he's like, what? <laughs> but but I, uh, I, I think that we have a really good friendship. Um, so, uh, but I, I think that I have more, I, he might, he's gonna take issue with this, but I think I have more respect for what he says to me than he has for what I say. And that's okay. That's exactly, you know, what our relationship is. So in any case, uh, but we do have that kind of friendship where we can say things to each other and, and we frequently will discuss. And I love, I love discourse and I love arguing with somebody when you know that there is love. And that is exactly um, how Alex talks to me. Um, so there we go. Um, and I enjoy that. So uh, in any case, we are going to be with you live for the next hour. And I hope that you will join us and join in the conversation, like dig in with Alex and I. And uh, if you like to stir the pot, send in questions that you think will stir the pot and we'll try to make the best of it. So uh, there are lots of different ways to participate. Let's talk about what some of those are. Right now we're live on YouTube we are live on Facebook, we are live on Periscope, live on Twitter, and live on our homepage, which is autism-live.com. Now, later on, all of those places will still be running a recorded version of the show, and we will also podcast to iTunes, to Spotify, Deezer, and iHeartRadio. So how about that? And they are free, and we are free in all of those places, free downloads on iTunes. Uh, because we're here, you know, I, one of the things that I've been talking about a lot the last couple of days is intention. Our intention here is to give you information and inspiration. So it's not enough to just throw some ideas at you, right? We're hoping that we inspire you to uh, do the things that you need to do for yourself to help you get to the next level. Now, when I say you, we are always talking to the larger autism community. This is, of course, individuals who are on the autism spectrum. We hope to be a resource and a, and a place for information and inspiration for those individuals. But, but we also welcome the larger art autism community, which is all the people who love someone on the spectrum. Um, because I'm one of those people. And I want to make sure that my friends and family that are on the autism spectrum get the respect, the dignity, the opportunity, as my friend Joanne Laura would say, a seat at the table, a seat at the table. And that means employment and um, opportunities to love who you love. And that means the opportunity to live uh, in a place that is safe and where you feel is your home. 
um, all of those things and many, many more. And so that's what we're here about on the show. And if you ever feel like your voice is not being heard on the show, please speak up um, because that's exactly what we're trying not to create. Uh, I, I would love for all of you to feel that um, a part of your story is being told here on Autism Live. And if, if you don't feel like that's happening, please don't sit back. Write into us. Tell us what story you would like for us to be telling. We listen and we, we're here for you. So we take those kinds of things on advisement. Now, um, I, I, I sort of mentioned this, but I always like to say that we have experts always on the show. And I count Alex Plank absolutely as an expert and thrilled to have an opportunity to talk with him in a few minutes. I'm not an expert. I want to be abundantly clear. I'm just the facilitator here. Uh, my place in this community is that I am someone who loves folks on the autism spectrum. I had a son who was diagnosed at the age of two and a half, and he wasn't the first person with autism that I'd ever met, wasn't the first person with autism that I'd ever loved. But he was uh, a conduit for me to learn about a lot of things that had never occurred to me before. And I'm still learning. I'm forever going to be a student. And it's important to me to be a good student. But it's also important for me to make sure that those of you who are looking for answers have a place to at least ask the questions. Uh, and then we will try to track down answers whenever we can. Sound good? Uh, you know what I always say, we get there together. We hold virtual hands and si se puede, right? Okay, so we like to start Tuesdays with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani are the experts talking about? And why is this term something that we need to waste valuable time and energy to learn? Is this going to save me? five minutes and five bucks. And if it is, can you explain it to me in a way that I understand it so that I, so I even have a reason to want to learn this jargon term? So yesterday's jargon term was DTT, discrete trial teaching. And we talked a little bit about how that's a tool in the um, toolbox for ABA, which stands for Applied Behavior Analysis. So today we're gonna to talk about NET, which is another tool in the toolbox. And we referenced it yesterday in saying that if you're doing a good ABA program, you really wanna have a mix of both of these things. Um, but this is much more popular with most people. Uh, so let's talk about that and why it is. So NET, our actual definition for NET, dun, 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 dun. I don't know, it's glitchy today. NET stands for natural environment training, training and generalization of skills within the child's natural environment. So um, I, I don't think that's much to make fun of there, right? That's pretty, pretty self-explanatory, except that I don't know what it means. Right? I don't know what it looks like. It's so general that it's not gonna help me. Let's move on to our working definition and then we'll start to take this apart bolt by bolt. Uh, NET is using a child's world as their classroom. And I really like that definition. And I'm a big fan of NET. If you <clears throat> watched yesterday and saw me giving the plea for DTT, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that's most upsetting to me in the world is that there are people who are such big fans of NET. And by the way, it's not NET, uh, it's NET. Uh, they're such big fans of NET and they like the way it looks and they like the things that it garners. And you'll, I, I just the other day, a parent said, you know, the truth of the matter is my child learns more through NET than they do through DTT. And I was like, are we sure that that's the case? Because um, imagine, you know, the difference between these two. So DTT is that discrete trial teaching, which is very, um, it looks weird, it just looks weird. And it's very, it's now nobody's excited about it. I compared it yesterday to when you're learning to do the cha-cha, that there's a part when you're learning the cha-cha when you don't even have the music on, right? And you're learning, okay. And they may, maybe even have the footprints on the floor and they're like, okay, so we're gonna count. And you're gonna go one, two, three, one, two, three. No, nope, we're gonna slow it down even more. One, two, three, one, two, right? That is not the fun part of learning the cha-cha. But if you just throw somebody in and put the music on and go, okay, we're gonna cha-cha, some people will be able to pick it up. But some people have two left feet and they're not gonna be able to pick it up, right? 
So, but the fun part that we videotape is when the person can actually do it, right? And the music is playing and it's theirs now. And they're like, I am dancing the cha-cha, right? But if somebody has a hard time learning how to dance, we're probably gonna start with the footprints on the floor. In fact, if you've ever been to a dance class, you walk into the studio and they don't start music right away and the footprints are on the floor. So the DTT is the part with the footprints and no music. And the NET is when we turn on the music and we start to play a little bit, right? So for our kids on the autism spectrum, if we're trying to teach a child anything or a teenager or an adult, anything, right? If we're trying to teach somebody who isn't on the spectrum, even, right? Um, you know, if you're trying to teach me how to do quantum physics, well, I'm not going to be good at quantum physics, right? So you are not going to take me out directly out into the world and have me, you know, working at the NASA space station doing quantum physics. You're just not going to have me do that because I'm, I'm or, or put me in a classroom with people of that caliber. I'm not going to learn it, right? But you're going to sit down maybe with a pen and a piece of paper and you're going to start to draw some things out for me as you explain, right? Same thing when we're trying to teach a child how to speak, for instance. Let's say that we're just trying to get a child to say the sound um, a vase, right? Um, that's not even the best example I'm trying to think of. Let's, let's say I'm trying to teach what a dog is. That's a much better one. So I'm going to and I've got a child who's on the autism spectrum and they've been around dogs and they didn't pick up the word dog or what the concept of a dog is. They're not really paying attention to it, right? But I want them to have this concept in their lives. So I'm, you know, I may start at the table with a picture of a dog because dogs, if I have a real dog there, it's gonna lick them and we're gonna get into a whole bunch of sensory things, right? Which I wanna do eventually, but right now I just wanna teach the concept of a dog. So I might have a picture of a dog, a drawing of a dog, and I set it on the table, or I might have a 3D figure and I set it on the table and I might say to the child, touch dog, and then help them to, and I go, yes, it's a dog, it's a dog, yay, it's a dog, right? And we celebrate that. Um, and then we might compare dogs to other things, right? But eventually, if we're really gonna teach dog, we need to have it be a dog that's alive, that's there, that maybe first we point to it on the sidewalk and we go, what is it? And the child says, dog. And we go, yes, it's a dog, right? And then maybe we have a, a you know, we go to a, uh, a place where maybe Aunt Beth has a dog in their house and we go, it's a dog. And we might even at that point call it a doggy because sometimes people call it a doggy, right? Um, and we would pet the doggy and talk about like dog has the tail and dog has the ears, right? Um, so, it, you know, some kids can learn just with NET, but a lot of our kids on the autism spectrum need the DTT first. And a lot of times parents go, well, I don't like the way the DTT looks. Nobody does, just get over it. No, honestly, nobody likes the way it looks. Nobody, nobody wants you to end up doing the cha-cha with the little things on the floor either. Let's be honest. It's just a part of teaching till you can get to the NET. Now, if you are doing uh, some sort of therapy that is only doing DTT and you're never getting to the good part where you're petting the dog and it's a real dog and they're saying dog in real life, then you're dealing with somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. But little DTT in the beginning and NET to seal the deal. And then we're learning, learning with all the pistons. So I love me some NET. Uh, I absolutely do, but I really love it when the child is, or the teenager or the adult has had some DTT beforehand, so that by the time they get to the NET, they can enjoy the moment. You turn on the music and you cha-cha, right? That's what I'm talking about, learning and cha-cha. Okay, moving on. We always have a question of the day, and our question today has nothing to do with cha-cha, although maybe it does. Uh, who has been the greatest teacher in your life? Who has been the greatest teacher in your life? I gotta say for me, I've had a bunch of great teachers in my life. Can I say that my parents were great, great teachers? I had a great, great grandmother. Uh, no, great, great grandmother. She was my great grandmother uh, who lived with us, who was a great teacher in my life. I had great teachers in the classroom. I had some really amazing teachers in the classroom. And as an adult, I've had some people who I've considered teachers 
people that, um, some people that I've never met. I will say that I thought Madeline Langle, who wrote a wrinkle, in a, a wrinkle in Time, I felt that she was one of my personal teachers growing up and when I was a young woman. And I got to meet her for a brief millisecond to tell her that uh, before she passed away. And I'm incredibly grateful. But I'm going to be honest, I think that Oprah is, has been one of my great teachers and I've not gotten to meet Oprah yet. Uh, but it's on my bucket list, uh, you know, but I know that if I ever get to meet Oprah, it will be the boohoo city. <laughs> I mean, she calls it the ugly cry. Ooh, I don't know if I could handle it, but she's been a great teacher in my life. And I've had tons of friends. Joanne Laura was a great teacher in my life. Um, I have enjoyed so many people who have, um, and some of them are significantly younger than me now. I was telling my niece the other day that she's been one of the great teachers in my life. So I, um, I love a good teacher. Man, I love a good teacher. And I'm thrilled to say that my son has had some great teachers in his life. And, and let me just say this, I know the school year is over and you know, um, but if your child has a great teacher in their life, can I just tell you one of the best things to do for yourself and for them is to write them a letter and tell them what an amazing teacher they are and make sure that you send it to their principal and ask to have it put in their permanent file because that helps them with a whole bunch of things. My, my son had a teacher a couple years ago. He said some really great teachers, but he had a teacher a couple years ago as a freshman in high school who was the game changer. I think about, I was just talking to Temple Grandin yesterday and that one science teacher that she had in high school, game changer. Um, and that's what this one teacher was for my son. And my son wants to be a screenwriter now because of the time that he spent in a class for one year, one period, one year um, with this gentleman. That's a teacher. Let's celebrate teachers today. Who's been a great teacher in your life? Okay, moving on. Um, we, uh, that's our question of the day. So moving on, let's go to the topic of the day the topic of the week. And we're talking about climbing the mountain. And yesterday we talked about how sometimes when you're standing at the base of the mountain and you're looking up at the mountain and you're going, whew, I don't think I can do it. And I think that that's a rational way to feel when you're on the base of the mountain. So what do you do? You pick up your stuff and you start heading up the mountain. And something happens when you're on the mountain because you're forced to focus on what's in front of you. Um, and that's something that we're constantly talking about here on the show, that you gotta have the picture in your mind of getting to the top of the mountain. That's important, but you gotta focus on where you are and what's going on, what is in the now. And um, everybody's got mountains to climb and you may have more than anybody else you know. Um, and if that's the case, I'm sending you a hug today. But um, you know, it's the difference between acceptance and contentment. Um, yeah, at a certain point, you got to accept that you're, you got a mountain to climb, right? You don't have to be content with it and you can, you know, decide how you want to climb the mountain, right? Um, but it's important to accept that you're climbing mountains. Speaking of my friend, Oprah, um, I remember when there was the whole big court case, when she met Dr. Phil, uh, in fact, uh, there was the whole big court case and she had to move her entire production of her show to Texas for months because she had to go to court every day and then they were filming at night and it was really, really hard for her. And she couldn't believe that this was happening to her. And she kept focusing on that. And, it, and this is exactly how she and Dr. Phil and this is how Dr. Phil came to be Dr. Phil was that he said to her, lady, you gotta stop like arguing, why is this happening? Cause it's happening. You need to get on that page with me and then let's decide what to do about it. And she was like, oh, you're absolutely right. I'm still saying, why is this happening? Are you doing that today? Because if you're doing that, you're not even on the mountain yet. Let's get on the mountain. Let's get on the mountain and do things and, and deal with where you are and whatever it is. Um, but then we, can, then we can start to make choices. But if you're stuck in the why, why is this happening to me? Which is a normal phase, right? But I encourage you to get on the mountain. Accept that this is where you are and let's, let's climb this mountain. Um, and see what there is to be seen. And every once in a while, look back and go, look, we're so much better than we were before. Time passes and things change. And things that are hard on Tuesday sometimes are resolved on Friday. Not always, but you got to keep moving. 
You gotta keep moving up the mountain. Okay, um, so having said that, we have Alex Plank joining us and he might already be with us. And Alex is uh, amazing. He's, as it says, an autism advocate, an actor, a filmmaker, and he's the creator of wrongplanet.net. If you have not gone to wrongplanet.net in your life, I wanna encourage you to go. Um, and, and it doesn't matter if you're watching the show, it doesn't matter what your credentials are um, to be a part of this larger autism community, you should check out wrongplanet.net. It is, I think the largest um, website for um, people who are on the autism spectrum. It's certainly the most favorite. And there are discussions there. If you are a parent, I think you will, I think you will find it completely eye-opening. If you are a therapist or a caregiver or a teacher, I think you will be blown away. But if you are a person who's on the autism spectrum, I think you will find that it, I've heard from people, it's like finding home, um, finding a group of like-minded people and um, seeing that who and how you are is exactly who and how you should be. Um, and that they're, some of the difficulties that may arise from, as I was saying at the beginning of the show, ableist thinking, which heaven knows I have been guilty of, um, that, that you will find a home at wrongplanet.net where you are able to um, feel the kinship of other people who agree with you that this, this is not something that's wrong with you. Um, and anyway, uh, I don't know if Alex hasn't joined us yet. Uh, and I might've told him a smidge later, I might be a little bit early, but uh, I do wanna say that, um, excuse me, Alex uh, started wrongplanet.net when he, I think he was 17 years old because he wasn't finding a place where he could go, where he could learn the things that he wanted to learn from other people in the community that he was fairly certain existed. And boy, he was absolutely right. I love to tell that story because I think, um, well, I'm a 17 year old, right? And I think sometimes, um, you know, we were just talking about this with Temple Grandin last week about finding your child's passion and feeding your child's passion. And I think Alex is such a driven individual and he's so smart and he's, um, you know, he's just not somebody who's gonna sit by, he's not passive about things. And so you totally can see, you know, even though he's not 17 anymore, you can totally see where as a 17 year old, he would have been like, yeah, no, I can do that. And I'm going to do that. And he did, you know what I mean? He's that kind of a, an individual, but I also want to give some kudos and props to his parents um, because I do know people um, who would say to their 17 year old, well, you know, um, let's wait until you're out of college. <laughs> you know, or like, well, maybe somebody else will create that website. And I think we all need to be really careful about that and make sure that we are um, giving our kids the tools that they need. I will tell you that when my son was six, he wanted to make a movie. He wanted to make a movie and in the worst way and he kept talking about it, but he wanted to make the movie at a friend's house and he, the things that he needed for it were things that I couldn't, like there needed to be a ghost that flew through this second story hallway. And I was like, well, honey, we're gonna have to wait for that. I regret that. I regret that we didn't shoot that movie and figure it out. I'm gonna regret that till the cows come home. And I wanna say to you, if you've got a kiddo who wants to build the Taj Mahal, get them some wood. You know what I'm saying? Uh, saying hi to Blessy um, and saying hi to Alexis. So glad to have you here. And uh, somebody wrote in and said, my son is 12 years old. I don't think we have Alex yet. I think I'm early. He is over social, fear of strangers, uh, friendly with everyone, and sometimes stares at them very closely. How can I work on it? Um, you know, I don't think that that's entirely uncommon. I hate this sort of one size fits all thing that people say, oh, well, people on the autism spectrum aren't social, which just isn't true. It's just so untrue. Um, it's just that sometimes the way they socialize isn't the, the stereotypical way that, you know, a group of people decided was the way to socialize, right? Um, and, you know, I hate it when they say that there's no empathy because nothing could be further from the truth. And by the way, everybody is different, you know? 
Um, so in any case, how do you work on it when someone is over social and doesn't have any fear of strangers? Um, well, I will tell you that we talk a lot about uh, skills here on the show and skills is an online tool. And you can go to skills for autism, F-O-R-autism.com to learn more about it. But it, there's a lot to it and you don't need all of it. No one does in any given moment, right? There's, a, there's a, an assessment that you can take to learn about where the individual is and where they're behind and what, where their strengths are, right? Um, but there are also lessons. And if you already know what lesson your child needs to learn, you don't necessarily have to do the assessment. If you don't know what lesson they need, then the, the assessment is a great investment in time. But one of the lessons that is in there, there's a whole curriculum that's uh, about social things. And within that, there's a social language curriculum, but there's several other things within social. And one of the things that's in there, I believe it's in the social curriculum, it might be in the cognition, but it's called levels of friendship. And it defines for kids, just like the, if you were to slice open a tree and see all the rings in a tree that, you know, we all have friends in our lives, right? but we have people that we're super close to. There's like people who we could walk into their houses without knocking, right? But that's not everyone. So it really helps them to define, you know, who are your closest friends and what are the rules with those friends? And then, you know, what's the next thing out? Okay, those people are still friends, but the rules are different with that group of friends. And then the next group out, and what are the rules? And, and you list the people that are in that category um, to help them to understand those relationships until you get to, you know, the, the further out rings, which are, you know, people like workers in the store that, you know, they're people that you can ask for help um, and how do we uh, identify them? But they're not really friends, right? Um, but they're not totally strangers. So you keep building out these, these rings and have rules with each one of the rings. It's really, I found it to be a really amazing lesson when we were working on it with my son because it, it helped me. It helped me because one of the lessons that we learn in the levels of friendship is that there's a certain reciprocity. So one of the lessons that was being taught my, uh, to my son about levels of friendship was there was a little boy in his class who every day on the playground kept taking, he, uh, until I found out about this, he had the little cords on his hood, my son did, and the other boy kept taking them and trying to strangle my son with them. And once the aide told me that that's what was happening, I cut the cords so that that was not a possibility, right? But they were talking with my son about, you know, what do you do when a friend is trying to hurt you? Will you say, friend, you're hurting me, please stop. And what happens when that friend doesn't? Well, then they're not in, they're not following the rules of this level of friendship, which means they're not really a friend. They're someone who's, you know, out here saying that they care about you, but if somebody's trying to hurt you, this doesn't fit with this rule of friendship. And I remember when they were teaching this to my son that I realized, oh, some of the people that I count as friends are not friends. They're trying to hurt me. And I've asked them not to, and they're still doing it. And that, that doesn't mean you're not friends at all. It just moves that person to a different level of friendship. So I highly recommend it, uh, skillsforautism.com. And there's a million bazillion other lessons in there too. But that one in particular is, I just think so useful for all of us. Um, but then, you know, you wanna make sure, cause I think our kids, one of the things that they are super good, most of them at is understanding rules and rule governed behavior. Um, the problem is, is that the rules change, right? And what I love about this lesson, the levels of friendship, is that it explains, oh, well, with this level of friendship, here are the rules. With this level, here are the rules, right? So um, you make sure that whenever something's happening, like, you know, you're walking across the street and the crossing guard is helping you to get across the street and you say, so is the crossing guard a friend? Uh, what are the rules for the friendship with the crossing guard? Like we don't hug the crossing guard, right? 
um, and you go over them wherever you are. And, and that NET that we were talking about, where the world is your child's classroom. So, you know, you're on the playground and they meet uh, a kid for the first time and, and, and we just met them. So they're a friend, but we don't know what level of friendship they are yet, right? That, that sometimes, you know, that takes time to figure out. And this is a lesson that um, you can start fairly early. It probably has some prerequisites uh, in it, but it will tell you what the prerequisites are. Is, oh, Alex is here. That's perfect timing. I hope that helps you with your child. Cause I know my son used to walk into any room and sit down in anybody's lap. He obviously doesn't do that anymore. Hey, Alex. Hello. How are you? Good, how's it going? Good, I'm really thrilled that you're here this morning. And I said some very lovely things about you before you were here. That's and good. We, took, we took a question from an audience member, but thrilled that you are here. And I talked a little bit about wrongplanet.net and we encourage people to go and check it out cool. um, to see all the amazing things that are there. Um, I don't, I'm not sure where to start today, but let's start with how are you doing during this time of isolation and how's it going for you? Good. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, um, trying to get things done. Yeah. Um, various things. What's, what's the hardest part of this period of time for um, you? Just like I normally have more of a structure of things to do. So like uh, even like simple things like, uh, oh, I need to get some bill paid. Like normally I'd be like, well, I better pay it now because I've got to go do something in like an hour. So, but now I'm just like, oh, I'll just do it eventually. Yeah. So it's, it, I, I mean, have it's too much time. Yeah, it's, and it's unstructured time. I think we've all had a little bit of difficulty with that. It's like hard to, if we're used to a routine, it's hard to, but what have you done for yourself to help with that? Have you been able to change that at all? Well, you know, just going on, uh, I like to go on bike rides and walks and uh, various other things to. Um... Now you're a very social person, Alex. Um, has it, has it been hard for you to keep up your social life with all this going on? Or are you managing that? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not really good at social life when, uh, there aren't things to go to, you know, so. That's it. So interesting that you would say, because my perception of you is that you are very social and very good at social things. Well, I mean, what, yeah, but there aren't any social gatherings or events. So, right. you know, what, what is there to do? Right. I mean, I call people, you know, talk to them, but you know, that's not the same is it i i feel so badly um for many different groups during this isolation but i think the group that i feel the most for is young people like yourselves who are in the prime of your life and normally are out doing things with friends and dating and doing all these other things yeah. and, and you know that that's a large part of your life that's just been taken away i'm old and married so for me this is kind of great I get all this time with my husband, but you know, for someone who's young, like yourself, I, I imagine it's like not the most fun. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, there's not really much to do. Um, and yeah, there's not, not really anyone here. So. But you're a highly creative dog. person. Yes. You do have your dog. Can, can we say hi to Max? I guess. Max, come here. Come here. Good boy. And if he doesn't want to, it's okay. It's just, he's such a beautiful dog. What's up? There's Max. Oh, he's grown up since the last time I saw him. Um, and so look at those beautiful ears, Max. Yeah, so he's... He's gorgeous. And so how long have you had Max? Did now? anyone get to see him? Because... Yeah, yeah, we could see him. We okay, saw from like from like his shoulders up. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, so, how long have you had Max now, Alex? Like uh, almost. I don't know, like nine months, maybe. Yeah. And what made you decide? And what is he considered? Is he considered a companion dog, or what is he considered? A service dog. Service dog. Yeah. And um, so. 
what made you decide at this point in your life to get a service dog? Well, I've always wanted one, but you know, I never uh, had the, uh, well, you know, they're really expensive, so. Yeah, there's that. Um, plus it's a little bit of a time commitment, especially in the beginning, right? Cause you have to pair with your dog and, and yeah, be you able gotta to like, together. yeah, they take a lot of work. Yeah. Have like, you enjoyed working with him though? Yeah. And it's good to have him now. Cause then I would, I at least have, you know, someone, I guess it's a dog, but better than nothing. And they say that dogs are social lubricants. That uh, that you know, even if even if we're shy, and but there's a dog, then we can have a conversation about the dog. Do you find that people you're more approachable? Probably, although he's kind of like intimidating looking, because he's the kind of dog that you know goes up and, and like uh, you know the police used to you know attack people, like you know when the, when you climb the fence so you know. The White yeah. House, like that's the dog that the, the dogs that they send to, that they sick well, on you. He's a German Shepherd, right? Yeah. 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 So they can be pretty intimidating. Now I've been terrified of German Shepherds in my life because I watched my baby brother get bit by a German Shepherd when we were little. But I'm not afraid of Max. Max is just the sweetest. Yeah, he's never bit anyone. Oh, he's so sweet. Um, but you know, but... he's got the pointy ears and. But I, I've been at, at least one event with you with Max where there were other people who had dogs that were not properly, uh, well, we don't know if they were uh, dogs that were service dogs, but they were being passed off as service dogs. And I, I watched as somebody was trying to give you some grief about Max when you, Max is legal and, you know, is it, Frustrating for you when people have dogs that they're passing off as service dogs when they're not? I don't know. I mean, I mean, for the most part, they don't really bother my dog. I mean, if they're, I, I don't see, I see any, um, it doesn't really bother me. I don't care. I mean, they bark at him. Yeah, but he's so well behaved. Like, you know, I went to tar tar Target before this whole locked down I remember and there's this dog and it was just like barking nonstop. but we were just walking past it so it didn't really bother me there you go I mean now that happens actually... at the grocery store too it's funny because it's like if they have them in the purse some normally they just hide their dog in the purse they're not really passing it off as a service dog I feel like even if they are passing it off as a service dog they just say it's a service dog they don't like buy you know like <laughs> they don't like buy like a bunch of stuff that says service dog and put it on the dog because like you know because <laughs> Yeah, but you know, even then, I, you know, who knows? Maybe it is a service dog that just forgot it its be. training or something. Might be, might be. Um, but you now at this point, you've flown with Max too, haven't you? What was that like? Oh uh, yeah, we fly all the time. I mean, not, not right now, but you know, we were flying all the time, so that's uh, pretty good. You know, we just have to get on the airplane. The the hardest part is when you fly to other countries because it's like you have to like prove all this stuff, like especially because they're like, oh, well, you know they just want to make sure no one's coming into their country with like I don't know it's it's weird it was like going to London for instance like they you know it was like a ton of paperwork and you, you know had to get all these stamps and like not just the vaccine stuff and like you know to make sure that the dog had all the vaccines it needed but um there's all these other they just want to make sure it's like a service dog or you know yeah it's really annoying now, but when he, does he get to be on the plane with you? Like, does he get his own seat? Do you have to pay for a second seat? He doesn't what is sit that? on a seat. He's a dog. He lies on the ground. So, <laughs> yeah, but he <laughs> takes up space. He, so I would think it, like, he, so he sits on the floor in the aisle. Where does he sit? Um, Let me see if I have any pictures, but like, I don't know. I, I He sits on the ground in the... Uh, like, what are you at the bulkhead where there's a little bit more leg room? Oh, yeah. I always I sit see. in the front row. Uh, got so, it. So, you know, like, um, let me see if I have any pictures of that. And, like, what happens if the person sitting next to you is allergic to the dog? Then they just move them. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they just find someone else that isn't allergic to dog. I mean, normally, I mean, though, they're... I, ideally, I wouldn't have anyone sitting next to me. But yeah, I, I, sometimes uh, if they're allergic to a dog, they would just move to a different area, I guess. 
You've never had that kind of problem though. Um, have I ever had that kind? No, I mean, I saw someone else said that they're afraid of dogs, but they were sitting next to some other dog. I don't think it was a service dog though. I think it was just like a, a pet in a box or something. So um, you started to say before, you're trying to get some stuff done. And I know that you're this highly creative person who's yeah. constantly doing things and creating. And you have gotten some stuff done um, during this isolation. Just various, you know, like, you know, I, I'm just, you know, trying to write my own projects and like, you know, not nothing that I, you know, want to talk about. But, I, you know, I've also been, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, do various, I don't know, like auditioning for things that are out there. Like, you know, I, but the problem is there's not much going on. So it's like sort of hard, you know? But you arranged um, a, uh, a gathering, a protest. What was it? The flashlight. Oh yeah. Um, I did like a flashlight protest that the news came and covered. Talk well, about that. Well, I mean, uh, you know, we just had uh, the neighborhood people shine shown flashlights in the air uh you know in sort of remembrance of george floyd you know with uh, everything that's going on i thought that was a cool thing and the you know the, the nbc came and covered it and why flashlights um well that's my special interest but that's like other people were doing it too like you know i didn't come up with the idea so but that is your special interest yeah. usually you i've show got us tons of flashlights well i've shown you a lot of flashlights i don't have any that's okay. You don't have to show us any. Usually you show us at least one flashlight. Yeah. Talk, for people who don't understand, when you say special interest, what are what do you mean by that? Why does do people not understand what a special interest is on your show? I think that there are some people who don't get it. I gotta be honest, Alex, that yeah. I think that, you know, um I think one of the overall comments that sometimes parents will make is that they'll be concerned that their child it, and it is they'll say that they're stuck on something or they perseverate on something. Um, and, and, they, and they think it's something that they have to be worried about. But you're talking about it in the special interest category and maybe shed a little bit of light on that so the parents aren't worried about- Was that a things. flashlight joke? No. Oh, oh you but said shed, I, shed a little light I, on it? I, that was unintentional, but I, okay. I'm glad that you caught that. Not well, much. you know. Um, I, I, well, I think that it's important to foster your kids' uh, special interests and to um, allow them to you know, focus on those things because those things can become careers or become things. And plus, it's it's uh, gives people joy. You know, a lot of people try to get so them to how stop. How old were you when when? flashlights just recently i mean people i have like various different special interests they they come and go or not really go but you know some i'll get a new one that's more more uh, more of my special interest for the moment well and i you know i think like anything i, I think it's it's important for us to realize that we all have things that and that go in and out that we go okay i'm really interested in this right now I have a friend whose son got really interested in Poland for an entire year. Like he couldn't get enough researching about Poland and everything about Poland. And eventually he moved on to another country, but I loved that that mom got into it with him and then they went to Poland. Um, instead of being like, why is he stuck on Poland? Why not be stuck on Poland? Um, I, I, I like it when we um, look at those things as positive. And as you said, sometimes, it becomes the thing that you go in. Now you didn't turn flashlights into a career. No. Um, but you don't have to, it's just something that you got passionate. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, we have, people have hobbies in yeah. general. I, I, you know, I, and you know, it's oftentimes I think it's important to engage with the, whatever you're um, passionate about. But what would you say to a parent who's worried because their 14 year old is still interested in Thomas the Tank Engine? I don't know. I mean, I, why are they worried about Thomas the Tank Engine? I think that's the right I mean, it's question. not, is that, is there like a controversy surrounding Thomas the Tank Engine that I wasn't aware of? No, not at all. It's just that sometimes parents get concerned that their teenager is still interested in something that's a five-year-old toy. 
Is and it five-year-olds? I always yes. thought Thomas the Tank Engine was for like, like various ages. Uh, well, I think that trains, I mean, you know, Mandy Patankin is a train aficionado and has an entire building where, where he has built out a train set. Um, and, you know, he's older than I am. Um, so I think it can be for people. Of yeah, ours. I mean, Thomas the Tank Engine, though, is I guess the show is not really that geared towards adults. But, you know, trains, lots of adults are into trains. Elevators is a big thing. I, I, I find that fascinating. Was that ever a thing for you, elevators? Um, I just, well, I mean, in the sense that I appreciate it, I, I do find the, you know, the whole idea of being obsessed with elevators sort of entertaining to me. I like watching the videos of the guys that are, you know, obsessed with them. There's like one guy that has like millions of followers or, or some ridiculous amount of followers on YouTube, subscribers. And like, the, you know, they go around and like go on elevators and he has like his own elevator museum. I love it. With like parts of elevators, you know, and they'll That's ride nice. elevators everywhere and just be, you could tell how excited they are about them. Was so. there anything when you were a kid that you just were really focused on that your mom or dad was worried about? Worried about? Um, yeah. Or were they just cool about it? Yeah, they were pretty cool about all, my, all the things, you know, they wanted me to get, get my work done and stuff, but, you know, for the most part, they supported everything I did. Um, I think that's part of, you know, how, why I'm successful and uh, well um, balanced life. And yeah, even amen, amongst uh, uh, this isolation period, we had several people who are writing in and saying, hi, Alex and Max, and so nice to meet you. And they said, what a great idea for a protest. Uh, somebody said my son I said it wasn't my idea someone else posted it and I was like okay I'll do that and then the news came and filmed it they did it at Dodger Stadium too they showed sh shined like you know uh, searchlights into the air but you organized the one that was in your area neighborhood yeah but yeah well that will take take the compliment yeah but she's they said good idea I was like well it's not my idea okay um but it is a good idea uh, not necessarily yours, but it's a good idea. And they, uh, somebody says that their uh, child loves flashlights. Um, so what else are you particularly into right now? Well, you know, I've been, I've, I've been trying to get, I was trying, I was wearing masks before people and everyone was always, so I was, I had researched masks and like their efficacy of like preventing viruses and stuff. And so like, I had been wearing one before we even had a lockdown in like, you know, the beginning of March before it even people and people were do like, you, oh, and that was when people, they were saying they don't work. And I was like, they do, how could they not work? It's on your, it's a mask on your face. Like, well, I mean, it maybe it like doesn't work as well as not going out at all, but like it has to do something. It's literally in, like something in between your face and like the other person's face. That's like, you know what I mean? It's like, that's like saying if you hang up a curtain and someone sneezes that like, like that it's more like, do you really think that's less likely that you're you know what I mean? Like, I didn't get it. So I like, I, I've been, and then I, they kept saying it on the news too. Like, oh, yeah. they don't work unless you're a doctor. And I was like, well, if you're a doctor, you're also a human. Like, yeah. Like, how would it not work? How would it work on a, do a doctor is not like a different type of human. It's like just a job. Like, so like. I'm right there with you, Alex. I thought the same thing. I was like, that's preposterous. Yeah. But do you have your mask there with you? Can you show us? Sh I can show you the various ones. Let me hold on. Oh, you've got more than one? Because you've got a pretty one that's pretty intense. Uh, but I, I tried to order it. I can't order it. It's not available anymore. You made it so popular, Alex, that everybody wants it. Um, all right. Let's take a look. Are you there? I'm here. I'm here. So what you got? Um, we have to see Max again. This is a respirator. And so um, um, it's got these filters called P100. Yeah. And you can't so get those of, now. I tried um, to get them. I couldn't get one. You kind of, yeah, you can. Um, I mean, maybe you can't, I don't know. Like you can get them somehow. Um, I must not know the right people or the wrong, I'm looking up the wrong thing. 
I mean, and so you can, you can change out the filters. Yeah, see, these are just P100 filters. So these will pretty much, you can still like, this will filter out particles. Um, uh, 99 point, that's the 100 stands for 100% of particles, but it's really 99.97%. They, you okay. know, and then they just round up. But you, you know, you take the filter off and then you can put on another one. And what does that one do? Um, it also is, uh, they're color coded. So it also is a P100, but uh, it also uh, filters out um, uh, organic vapors. So for instance, if you were in a- acid gas. So if you were in a tear gas situation, yeah, that would probably would COVID filter out most tear gas. Um, they do have like specifically ones made for tear gas, but I think that this this would filter out anything with that's an organic. So I guess anything that has like carbon in it. Now um, I'm I'm curious, like, and also like uh, like you know like uh, a lot of different uh, very like acid gases. So like I, th I, I it would also filter out probably uh, I believe. Um, be like mixed, you know how they say don't mix bleach and ammonia or yeah. whatever? Yeah. I bet I yeah. probably could mix bleach and ammonia and not die. Well, let's not try it though. <laughs> just for, right. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I would have to check. I don't, I, I forget what, what specific gases it filters out. I would have to look, but, but the nice but thing is also, you can't sm home. really smell anything. That's like, oh, really? that one. Well, sometimes that's good. But I'm curious, did now you wear glasses and so did you choose one that did not cover the eyes because of that? Um, have you had issues with fogging on your glasses? The, the not cover the eyes. What do you mean fogging on my so glasses? There are, there are some of those respirators that come up and they cover your eyes as well. They have like goggles. Right. <laughs> but yours is just the face thing. Now, did you do that because you wear glasses or not? Well, yeah, but I mean, also because, uh, you know, the, the, I have goggles, you could wear goggles too, but I mean, glasses are not entirely uh, without protection. If someone sneezes and it hits the glass, then it's not going to hit my eye because you could also right. get infected with right. the eyes, but I don't, right. you can't really get any, you can't get fog. You shouldn't be, your glasses shouldn't fog up if you're wearing a mask. Unless, lot, you, unless your mask, time. unless your mask is like, you know, this one kind of does, but like the, you know, these, the surgical yeah. mask sort of, because it's, but if you use the little nose bridge and like, make sure like, it's like really like stuck to your nose, right. like, cause it has like wire in them. If you have just yeah. like a standard, like piece of cloth or, you know, like just wrap something around, that'll probably fog it up. Cause the fog is coming from your air, from your mouth, like going up and hitting the, like moist air. And then the other one, which is the one that they were like, you know, that the doctors wear is these N95s. Um, yeah. But I only have two of those because, and they're yeah, like- you can't get them anymore. Um, and they're like not like as good because they don't seal as well. And also they only filter out 95% of the particles, whereas the ones, this one filters out 100% basically. They should have you do uh, a guest spot for them because you're a good salesperson for that other one, but hard to find. I wasn't able to find it because I, you talked to me about it and I wanted to get one of those for my son and I couldn't get one. Well, the problem, the, yeah, I mean, but the nice thing about these is that, that, you know, that they're reusable. So you could basically use this all for a year without needing to like replace it. You, you could, cause you can take off the filters themselves and wash and them. It, and it's hard. So you, you, you could wash the, the other part as well. Yeah, It's like a, a last America or whatever, like, you know, like, it's like a material so yeah, like neoprene. wash it with soap and water yeah and it dries pretty quick very cool um, but, but when yeah you're so out, I, when you're yeah. out with a mask do people uh, do people react to the mask or? not really i mean people I, I i you know i think people have seen other people wearing that kind of mask you know like it's you know what i mean like it's not like i mean i it's it's not that much of a difference from like wearing a surgical mask in a way. I mean, it just looks a little bigger and. Yeah. Um, well, different parts of the world, people are wearing masks versus other places. Like I, I, you know, here in my neighborhood, I would say it's like a 50, 50 proposition. About yeah. 50%. I mean, but the thing about the mask is it's not, if you're walking around outside in like a neighborhood where there aren't that many people, it's not like, 
going to do as much as if you were like needed to walk inside of like a store. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you live in a more populated area than I do. Yeah, But even then it's like, you know, most people wearing masks though, Alex, where you are. Um, I don't know. Or is it like my neighborhood 50, 50. Outside. Maybe not, but like the main, I think the main use of them is when you're walking around and like, like I, I would say if you're like walking down like a if I were in New York City I would I would imagine that would be more important but like I'm not as concerned about that and then also the other thing is that people seem to think that they don't protect you they only protect other people from you even though they kind they just probably protect you less if you're wearing one of those other ones like the cloth on your face is probably not going to do much for as much for you as yeah. this but this one will definitely protect you <laughs> like now- did you have, when you first started wearing the mask, we have a lot of people writing in saying that they're having a lot of problems, either themselves or their kids wearing a mask because of sensory issues. Did you have any issues with that? Um, I mean, like the thing about it is that like the, if it's covering, like, I don't know, I guess the it didn't sensory issue is, uh, well, yeah, I mean, they, they're not very comfortable, but I don't, it's not, I also don't think it's a good idea to just wear it like non, like too long, you know? Yeah. Or too, because it, it also not. the problem with them is like, if most masks like that, like these, like most just regular face masks don't have any sort of like exhalation valve. So they'll end up getting like a ton of humidity in it. And like, like then you start, you know, and either way, if it's hot out, you're going to be sweating. So yeah, it bothers you, but like, if you're like walking around where there's no one else, that's, you know, I would take it off. And then what about the beard and the mustache? Is that, does that make it harder to get the seal on the mask or is it, make well, it I mean, hotter? Yeah, I mean, it's like a perfect, it's, I mean, keep in mind though that like for the most part, like you can check on these, you can check the, if the seal is good. Yeah. Because you can take it off and like cover the, things and if you breathe in and there's you can if you don't get any air you know it's sealed right. whereas the other mask you can't really tell entirely it's there's a hundred percent so you can't really seal a mask if you have a beard though like even that one it's like a little bit of leakage but i mean how much is there really right. you know what i mean like you still and, and aren't getting much air going me. most of the air is going through the filters yeah you know um, like there might be like a tiny it's kind of like if you have like a tiny little like leak in your window like you're and you have the air conditioner on like it's still it's not like all the air it's not it's not it's gonna be still be cold in your house you know what i mean like it just might be yeah i mean yeah there technically you could get some if but even then it's like a hundred like i don't know it's i don't it doesn't have to be perfect to to prevent obviously um if the, you know, cause that was the other thing when they first came out, they're like, oh yeah, you won't know how to wear it right. Like it has to be sealed, che- like you have to check the seals. You have to like, all the doctors know how to do that. I'm like, it's it's a mask, you know, it's not like they're flying a 757, right? Like, it's like, how much training do you really need? I mean, yeah, I've put it over your nose right. and your mouth and like, right. but even if you right. don't do it right, it's not like, it's, it's still better than nothing, right? Like, I mean, like right. maybe a little bit of air, most of the doctors I've seen don't even work, probably are probably not wearing it right anyway, either. There you go. You know what I mean? I can't believe it. We're out of time already. Okay. Um, but we want people to know about wrongplanet.net. Is there anything in particular that you guys are doing that you want them to know about to visit on the site? Um, nothing right right now. Um, but you know, just check it out and uh um everyone should stay safe and and you know wear their mask because it's it's important. Um even if you have a sensory issue. Also, just don't go if you don't need to go somewhere, don't go anywhere. I've been ordering all my groceries online. Me too. Me too. And I can't believe we've got, we've got less than a minute left, but I I haven't asked you this before because I know that you were a good friend of friend of Joanne Lara and she really loved you. Uh, And I know that we're all sad and there's a memorial for her on, on Saturday. Is there anything that you wanted to say about? I just really, I, I, you know, I tweeted about it when it happened. I was just really upset and, um, you know, she was, I really loved her and she was really loved you. Uh, yeah. You know, so it was really tragic. Yeah. Uh, but we'll remember her and there is a memorial on Saturday that everyone is invited to everyone 
Um, there, we have on our website right now, Autism Live, there's a link that you can register so that you're all set to go on Saturday morning um, to attend the, um, it's a virtual memorial because it's all we can do. Um, yeah. you come, are you able to come to the virtual memorial? Sure. Yeah, for well, sure. All right, Alex, uh, we just love you. And I'm so glad that we had, I've missed you in this isolation. So yeah, this it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 a, it is, it's a hard thing, I think. And I, I just, you know, I feel, I guess it is, it's true, you know, where, you know, it's, especially the, our age group, it's like, you know, you know, the prime of your life. So it's, it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hope for all of our sake that it, we get a solution soon so that you guys can go back to the business of leading your lives. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's what you deserve. Anyway, I adore you, Alex. And thank you so much for being here Thanks. with us. Everybody check out wrongplanet.net. Uh, we're done here for now, but I want to remind everybody to join us tomorrow for Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grampiche will be with All us. Right. And give your kiddos a hug for me, one Bye. for you too. Bye-bye. Bye, Alex. Bye-bye for now.